So, here we are. We're in part three, Christmas Sunday of our last installment of our series of the kingdom that was, that is, and is to come. And I hope you guys have benefited from this. I hope that you, you've gotten revelation out, out of it. That uh, if, if anything, I hope that uh, you were awed by the extravagance of the plan of God. I mean, God, God is truly, truly amazing. And uh, as we enter in into to this last message, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your ears to hear, spiritual eyes to see. And Heavenly Father, we, we want to experience you, this mo- experience you this morning, that this would not be just words of men, but they would be living words of God that become alive and quicken our spirits. Heavenly Father, may we see ourselves in your kingdom. May we see ourselves in Christ. May we see ourselves in the plan of God, the way that you see us. May we awaken to the miracle of Christmas this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I started every single one of these messages, I will start it again the same way. Christmas is awesome. Christmas is awesome. And it amazes me how people don't think we should be celebrating Christmas. And I'm not just talking about non-believers. I'm talking about religious folk. And they are religious. You know, they say, they, they say you know, somewhere in... In Deuteronomy, it says that you're not supposed to bow down to any trees. Well, the only, the only time I'm ever bowing down before a tree is when I'm getting my gift. It, 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 just, it just amazes me how, how we can think that a Christmas tree has anything to do with celebrating something other than Jesus Christ. Everything in Christmas eventually brings you back to Christ. Right? As much as we've tried to destroy it, as much as we've tried to wreck it, as much as we tried to materialize it and uh, commercialize it, it's still, sooner or later, it'll le- lead you back to Christ. And that's why it's awesome, because Christmas is the manifestation, is the manifestation of the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God. It's the word that has become flesh. And as we talked about, the Christian faith hinges on two Two truths. First, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. And the second truth is, is that he died and rose again. That he's alive today and seated at the right hand of God. You, and you can't have a resurrection without a death. You can't have a death without a life. And you can't have a life without a birth. So his birthday is something to celebrate. His birthday is something to celebrate. Christmas is the manifestation of the kingdom of, of God. It's the manifestation of the gospel, of the good news. And, and there's a lot of negative things that happen around this year. We just, we just discussed some things that are happening in people's life that doesn't make Christmas all that happy. And if you look at things just from a right-now standpoint, if you don't see them the way that God sees them, from an eternal view, we can get down in the dumps. I mean, there's some of us that feel condemned because they don't have enough money to buy the Christmas gifts that they would like for, to buy for certain people, right? But that really doesn't have anything to do with, with Christmas. 
Yes, our gifts, our gift giving is, is an expression of love for other people. But there's lots of ways to express your love, right? You don't have to, you don't, it, it doesn't have to be the cost of the gift. So don't let that get you down, down in the dumps, right? Don't, don't let that get you down in the dumps. You don't have to, and, I, and some of us, and this is hard to talk about, but there's some of us that the holidays, Christmas, it brings back memories of, of loved ones that aren't celebrating with us this year, right? But do you know that because of Christmas, we have hope? We have hope that one day we will be celebrating with them again, right? That, that, that they, they, they are alive today, and one day we will be united with them. I mean, that's, that's good news. That's it, good news in the most hardest of circumstances, Christmas is awesome. And we have the shepherds, um, the angels showed up, and they said, I bring you um, good news of great joy that will be for all people. Christmas is good news for all people. Good new- it's good news for the believer. It's good news for the unbeliever. Because Jesus was sent for us all. It's good news for those that hate the little baby in, in the nativity scene, that they think the nativity scene should be gone. I don't understand how anybody could get upset about such great news. The, the kings, remember the, the magi that came from the east? They said, where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. See, the, the, these, these kings were smarter than a lot of us. That, that Christmas is a time to worship. It's time to celebrate Jesus. Christmas is the restart on life. Christmas reminds us that miracles happen. That's what it is. It doesn't necessarily mean that what it is doesn't necessarily mean that's what has to be. You understand what I'm saying? Christmas is God getting his vision for humanity into the earth. Christmas is a celebration of a person, not a date. Right? We're celebrating Jesus. I I know he wasn't born on December 25th. Right? But... This is the day we choose to celebrate him, right? Christmas reminds us that love gives. John three sixteen, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Christmas is a remind, reminder of that. Christmas reminds us of family, right? It reminds us of the family of God. Even if you don't have a family on earth, you got a family of God. you got a father that is in heaven, Right? He's a father to the fatherless and, and a husband to the widows and orphans, right? Christ, Christmas reminds us of hope. It reminds us of miracles, signs, and wonders. Christmas is awesome, and it's a celebration that should cause all creation to rejoice, for it is the good news to all people. In Isaiah chapter 9, we're just going to recap a little bit before we get into the the meat of the message. But in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. As we talked about, a child was born, but a son had to be given. Why did the son have to be given? Because he was eternal. He, the son couldn't be born. He had to be given. And he was given in flesh when the child was born. That's amazing that, 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 that the, the prophet 
was able to articulate that truth. That is, that is, that is profound. And the government should be upon his shoulder. Jesus is the one that gives the cosmos order. Jesus is the one that, that, that holds everything together. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, He is the image of the invisible God. That right there, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, where thrones or dominions or rulers, authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him he holds all things together. Now, a lot of people get tripped up in this, and, and, and they say, well, he's the firstborn. So it sounds like he was created. No. What that is saying, it, says, it doesn't say he was the first of all creation. It says he was the firstborn. It was, he was the firstborn of every creature. And what this is stressing is his preeminence. Right? The firstborn child always received the greater blessing and inheritance. What this is saying is, Jesus is Lord of Lord and King of Kings. He's the first, right? He, Jesus Christ is, is God. He existed throughout all eternity. He's the firstborn in the order of man. He's the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The firstborn child always received the greater blessing and inheritance. He had the preeminence. Um, what the Apostle Paul is talking about here is, is that the term firstborn refers to position or rank. It's not talking about create, being created. Um, in, in Jewish custom, the firstborn was always the father's heir. All the, all the father's possessions was his. The ter this term signifies that Jesus, signifies that the son is the appointed heir of all things. And in, in Christ Jesus, we are heirs to the kingdom. You understand that? Everything that, that is in existence, everything that God is, everything that God has, has been given to Jesus Christ. And if you are in Christ, then you are heirs, and heirs to the kingdom of God and to the promises of God. Jesus is the one who gives order to the chaos. He, he's not only holding the cosmos together, but he's holding us together. He is intimate with your situation. He, he can take your chaos in your life and bring order bring order to it. He is the one that brings the beauty out of our ashes. He's, he turns the wasteland into a flowering gar garden. That's what Jesus does. He is the miracle maker. And Jesus is our regenesis, we talked about. Last week, last week we discussed that if the kingdom is here, why is there so much pain, right? Why is there so much suffering? Why do bad things happen? And a simple, easy answer is, it's, it's quite simple. The, the kingdom is here, but people choose to live their life without God. People choose to live their life without God. We discussed that God created the world, and it was beautiful, very beautiful, and, and humanity was the apex of creation. It was crowned with glory and majesty, and they were assigned stewardship and rulership and partnership with God. They were to take the paradise that God had created and reproduce it in the earth. And he, he, he is the regenesis of that. We know that Adam fell. He, he fell and brought chaos into God's beauty. And Jesus came to bring order. Jesus is the gardener of the new creation. The kingdom is here, but it's only manifest through the church. 
It's only manifest to the church as we partnership with God and yield to his word and spirit. And the word became flesh. Jesus is the eternal word. This is all recap for you this morning. That word became flesh and he dwelt among us. The manifestation of the kingdom was that was, that is, and is to come. God, it proclaims three things to us. It proclaims to us that God is with us. It proclaims to us that God is for us. And the third one, with God, all things are possible. So this morning, we want to talk about that. God with us. God becomes a man. God becomes one of us. This boggles my mind, and I share this with you over and over again, but to think that the creator became the creation, that he humbled himself and put on flesh and blood and became a servant. The creator God enters into his creation not as a conquering king, but as a servant. He suffers with us and for us. Listen to what Paul writes in Timothy. In 1 Timothy 3.16, it says, For the mystery of righteousness is truly amazing. He was revealed as a human being. And as our great high priest in the spirit, angels gaze upon him as a man, and the glorious message of his kingly rulership is being preached to the nations. Many have believed in him, and he has been taken back to heaven and has ascended into the place of exalted glory in the heavenly realm. Yes, great is the mystery of righteousness. Jesus identifies with our human condition. Jesus identified with our human condition so that by faith we can identify with his divine condition. Listen to what the words of the Spirit say in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. The mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifest to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what the riches of his glory, uh, glory of his majesty among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery hidden in God. The mystery of hidden in God is that he wanted to put you in Christ and Christ in you. That Christ in you, the hope of glory. Is that what you see this morning? In Christ you have been married. You have been baptized, welded together. Do you understand that? That's what baptism means. So it feels like I shared, but people have to understand this because we got to get a true revelation of this. Baptism is not merely just that religious act of going down into the water. It represents a spiritual act that takes place when you are born again. You are baptized into Christ. You are submerged into him. You are welded into him. That word is actually used to in the Greek to dye garments. You take a cloth that is white, you dunk it down in purple dye, you pull it out, the dye is in the cloth, the cloth is in the dye, you can't separate the two. That's what it means that when you were baptized into Christ, when you were married to, to Jesus Christ, you were born of his bone and flesh of flesh, the two have become one. It's an amazing, it's an amazing thing that, that, that we have been welded together, not only has he identified himself with our humanity, but through the Spirit, we now identify with his divine condition. 
Galatians 3.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life that we are now to live is to be lived by the Son of God, by Jesus Christ. Not only, not only is God with us, but God is for us. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will, be a, you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. On earth, peace, goodwill towards men. So many people, not, so many people don't understand what this is saying. They think that it's peace among men, but it's not talking about peace among men. It's talking about our relationship with God. That God has sent His peace to the people through Jesus Christ. That there is no longer a war. This idea that thinking that God is against us is over. Jesus, the Christmas is the exclamation point that God is not mad at you. Actually, God is rescuing you and saving you. On earth, peace. You have peace with God and goodwill towards men. See, I don't... Look at me. I don't know if you guys... If there's something wrong with my speech... Well, there's something wrong with your guys' hearing. But for some reason, we, do, we cannot understand that God's will is always good for you. God's will is always good. Good will towards man. It's always good. God does not cause bad things to happen to teach us something. He, doesn't, he isn't the author of the chaos. He isn't the author of the darkness. He doesn't cause evil in the world. God doesn't cause it, and he doesn't leave us in it. He doesn't leave us in it. He doesn't forsake us in our trouble. Now, don't get me wrong. There's lots of people. There's lots of people that say, well, God taught, you know, because of the circumstance I went through, God taught me a, a lesson. Yeah, he will use those circumstances to teach us, but there's a better way to learn. There's a better way to learn. I was talking to my kids the other night. There's two ways to learn, and they knew the answer. They, they said, they, I said, do you know what they are? The, and she goes, well, through other, one, they said, well, one way is through other people, and the other way is through, through doing it yourself. And I said, which way is the better way to learn? And they said, through other people, Right? You can learn through the, through the life of hard knocks. You can learn what to do and what not to do by banging your head against the wall. Well, that hurts. I shouldn't do that. Yeah, you learn something, right? But, but, but that's not how God... God will teach you in trouble, in chaos, in the, in the confusion. And he'll rescue you from it every single time. But he's not the one that causes it. See... So, you know, you, we've all heard stories like this. You hear someone say, well, you know, if I didn't get out in the world, if I didn't chase after the, the things of the world, if I, if I didn't really chase after money or glamour or gold or girls or whatever, you know, God would have never been able to get me to the point where I realized how important he, he was. And we say phrases like that. And I'm thinking, no, you didn't have to do that. 
This, this Bible is filled with people who did that. Read about Solomon, right? Read about um, David. Read about Samson. Learn from their mistakes. Learn from their ex- example. You know, we don't have to go through an experience to learn to live righteously, right? But if you're foolish, God will use your foolishness to teach you something and even draw you to himself. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he cares for you. God is for you, and Christmas is the proclamation that God is 100% for humanity's goodwill. The Bible is the evidence of this. So what shall we say? What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us, right? God is for you. Do you believe that this morning? Do you? Do you believe that God is for you this morning? It, Christmas, it is a living faith that needs to be manifested in the way that we live, in the way that we think, in the way that we talk. And not only is God for us, but with God, all things, all things are possible. All things are possible. Matthew 7, 20 says, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for surely I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Mark chapter 9, verse 23 says, Jesus said to them, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. Matthew 19, 26. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Christmas is the story of impossibilities being made possible. Do you know that? Think about this. A virgin birth. Angels showing up. A star in the sky. Prophecies being fulfilled. God in the flesh. This Christmas story is, the impossib- is impossibility after impossibility. But with God. But with God. All things are possible. All things are possible. The kingdom that was, the kingdom that is, and the kingdom that has come is the kingdom that makes the impossible possible. For it sees totally different. God's vision is totally different from our vision. And we need to get to the place where we can see the way that God sees. See, where there was darkness, God, he's seen that there was light. When there was a desert, God's seen a garden. He's seen paradise. Where there was not a nation, he births a nation. Where giants taunt, he brings them to their knees. In blindness, he sees. In deafness, he hears. Where there is, was not a people, God makes the people. Where there is lack, he sees abundance. He calls those things that aren't as though they were. We need kingdom vision. We need to see what God sees. In your circumstances right now, how does God see it? Those things that you worry about, the things that you concern yourself about, how does God see it? We need to ask ourselves those questions. I know how you see it, but how does God see it? How does God see it? What does God say about your situation? In Isaiah 51, verse 1, it says, Listen to me, you who follow righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock 
from which you were hewn, from the hole of the pit which you were dug. Do you know this is talking about a quarry where they, they mine precious things? God mined it. He, he dug us up. We were precious. We were hidden. We were the jewel of great price, hidden. And, he, and Jesus gave up everything to come and rescue us. He bought that field. He says, look to that. Remember these things. Look to Abraham, your father, and Sarah who bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. Abraham is our father. He's the father of our faith. Do you know that? And he rejoiced to see Jesus' coming. He rejoiced to see Jesus coming in the flesh. Galatians 3.29 tells us, in Christ, we too are Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. So this is talking about us. In Isaiah, verse 3, it says, For the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her wasted places. He will make her wilderness like Eden and her desert like a garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in it, thanksgiving and the voice of melody. Do you know this is talking about you? See, we need to read these Old Testament scriptures through the lens of Jesus. Hebrews 12 tells us that the church is Zion. This is what the church is, what Jesus wants to do within the kingdom of God manifest in the church. This is how God sees. He will comfort all your wasted places, make the wilderness like Eden and the desert like a garden of God. In the midst of her, in the midst of the church is joy and gladness with thanksgiving and that you can hear the sound of singing. What do you see? What do you see? Do you have eyes, the eyes of the king? Or do we have blinders of the world? Are you moved by faith or held captive by doubt this morning? Are you in stewardship, in rulership, in partnership with God? Or are you doing your own thing? For the kingdom that is now will be the kingdom that ushers in the kingdom to come. You know that? The kingdom that is right now is going to be the kingdom that ushers in the kingdom that is to come. John the Baptist doesn't talk very much about during Christmas. But he was a major part of the Christmas story. Do you know that? John the Baptist, is, he, he's not really associated when we, when we think of Christmas. But he's tied to the story of Christmas, to the story of the kingdom that came into manifestation in the earth when the word became flesh and dwelt among us. John's birth was part of the many impossibilities that made up the miracle of Christmas. John's birth was a miracle. Zacharias and Elizabeth um, both were child, they were childless because Elizabeth was barren, and they were well advanced in years. But Gabriel, the angel of God, shows up while Zacharias is ministering to the Lord in the temple and tells him that they will have a son, and his name will be John. You know, notice that in the midst of something that they were lacking, in the midst of where did God find Zacharias ministering? He was doing what he knew what to do for the Lord. And that's where God found him. Sometimes I wonder where God would find us. 
He'd find us in front of Netflix. He'd find us in front of our phones. Where would God find you? But Zacharias found this miracle as he was ministering to the Lord. And Luke one twenty three tells us, So it was as soon as the days of his service were complete that he departed to his own house. Now after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. So after he got done, this angel showed up, told him that he's going to have a son. And after his job was done at the temple, he went home and he did something. He put faith, he put faith to what God had told him. Right? That's what it says. Now, after those days, his wife conceived, after Zacharias went home. He put faith, he put action to what God had told him. Faith without works is dead. He went home with a living faith. Then Gabriel shows, shows up to Mary, right? And, and, and she tells, him, tells her that she would bear the child of God, the son of God, even though she did not know a man. And Elizabeth's pregnancy was to confirm this unto her. This, the pregnancy of John was a confirmation that she too would have a miracle, a miracle son. So let's look at that. In Luke chapter 1, verse 39, it says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country, with haste to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? See, Jesus was Lord as birth. He was always Lord. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed. For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told to her from the Lord. Notice that Mary had to believe. She believed. And because she believed, those things which were told her from the Lord would be fulfilled. But John leaped. John leaped in his mother's womb. John was able to be filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. And he was able to feel joy. That's amazing. How could anybody say that that was a life in that womb? Amen? This this little six-month-old baby in the womb had more spiritual discernment than many 60-year-olds out of the womb. You know that? John was a miracle child that prepared the way for another miracle child who prepared a way for many miracle children in the kingdom of God. John's birth and life is vital to the manifestation of the kingdom of, of God on earth. He was the one, the voice crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, it says, Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort to Jerusalem and cry out to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. This is what John the Baptist preached. Do you know that? 
And right now you're thinking, well, this is talking about Jerusalem. This has nothing to do with me. Again, you need to look through the lens of Christ. The book of Hebrews and the book of Revelations both say that the church is the new Jerusalem. Right? It's the heavenly Jerusalem. You have been born from above. Do you know that? You've been born from above. You are the new Jerusalem in the earth. And there is a Jerusalem in heaven. There's a heavenly Jerusalem made up of the saints of God that's gone before us. And one day, the, the, the Jerusalem in heaven will come down with the Lord and be joined to the new Jerusalem in the earth, and he will establish his kingdom forever in that kingdom that is to come. You know that? That's, not, that's talking about people. It's not talking about a spaceship coming down from heaven, this new Jerusalem. It's talking about people. We, the people of God make up the new Jerusalem. Cry out to her. Cry out to Jerusalem. Cry out to the church. Your warfare has ended. The war is over. The idea that God is against you is over. We have peace with God. We have been translated from the, king, the dominion of darkness, and we've been translated into the, the kingdom of God's dear Son. Our iniquity has been pardoned, and we have received double from the Lord for our sins. Jesus was double payment for our sins. Do you know that? Jesus was double payment. So when you're tempted, and I know we're all tempted like this, that you, you just barely made it into heaven. But you're no good. It, it took the very last drop of Jesus' blood. If it wasn't for that last drop, you would have never made it, never made it into heaven. No. God made double payment for you. He, Jesus Christ is overpayment. John chapter 1, verse 16 says, And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. Of the fullness of Christ we have all received, and, and, and grace for for grace. Do you know what that word for between grace for grace means? Because that seems confusing, doesn't it? That word for means instead of, in, in room of, in place of. All there is is grace in God. Grace instead of grace. Grace in room of grace. Well, I don't want grace. Well, then you can have grace. Jesus came to give us grace. Grace for grace. Well, you don't know what I've done. Well, I don't, I don't want to know what you've done. God knows what you've done, and he forgave you before you even did it. In Christ Jesus, you've been forgiven. You've been pardoned. You don't understand what I've done. I deserve this. Have any of you ever said that? I deserve this. Don't give me that false humility. The truth is, you deserve a lot worse. You deserve a lot worse. We all do. We all deserve a lot worse. But that's what grace is. Grace is not getting what you deserve. In Christ... We have received grace instead of grace. There is nothing else he can give you. That's the good news of Christmas. It continues in verse 3. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight 
In the desert, a highway up for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It doesn't matter what desert that you're in. You know, there are a lot of people say that. Say that I'm just in a desert place. I'm in, I'm in a desert place. Jesus has made a highway in every desert to get you out of that desert place. That's what John was complaining, or proclaiming, complaining, right? The glory of the Lord shall be revealed. This is talking about the birth of Jesus. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is talking about Christmas. This is talking about Jesus coming to earth. Jesus has come to bring the valleys of the mountains low, and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places made smooth. Our relationship with God is no longer up and down. It's no longer up and down. Now, you might think it's up and down. You might think you're in the valley one day and on the mountaintop another day. You might have heard messages preached as well about you might be on the mountain today, but God isn't going to let you get prideful up on that mountain. He's going to knock you down in the valley so you know how. No. No. He took the mountains, brought them low. He brought the valleys up. You want to know why? Because your relationship with God has nothing to do with your actions. It has to do with what Jesus Christ has done for us. God loves me today. What about tomorrow? Jesus came so that we can walk with constant, constant, consistent relationship with God where his love for me never changes no matter what I'm going through. That makes Christmas a big deal, you know that? That's why Christmas is important to celebrate. Jesus entering into humanity to identify with us so we can identify with him. He came to reconcile. He came to reconcile. Talk about a gift. He came to reconcile us back unto our Father so we can have constant, consistent relationship with him and Jesus. Everything about Christmas reminds us of hope, of miracles, of signs, of wonders. John the Baptist understood this, and everything he did in his life was to proclaim the Messiah to the world. Everything that John did was to proclaim the kingdom that was coming into the earth. And look what Jesus said about him. Jesus says, Surely I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Born of a woman. Born of a woman. John was the greatest born of a woman. He was greater than Moses. He's greater than David. He's greater than Joseph, Joshua, Elijah, Elisha. No one was greater than John. But the one who is born again in the kingdom of God is greater than he. Everything, everything that John did was for Messiah. Do you know that? The coming of Messiah, the birth of Messiah, the life of Messiah, the sacrificial death of Messiah, the miracle resurrection of the Messiah. John lived his life totally dedicated to Messiah. Everything that John did, 
he did for Messiah so that you and I could come into this new life in Messiah. John gave his whole life so that you could have what he never had. That you could be born again. In verse 12 it says, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. From John until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. This is not talking about physical violence. We are not people of war. We are not people of hurtful, harmful anger. We are people of peace, living with God and at peace with people as much as possible. (laughs) But with some people, it's not possible. Right? With some nations, it's not possible. With some religions, it's not possible to live at peace with them. They will not allow it. This is talking about what, this is what Christmas testifies of. That when Jesus was born, there was great joy. But there was also great opposition to his birth. We talked about that last week. Not everybody is excited about the birth of Jesus. Herod was not excited about the birth of Jesus. The religious people of their day were not excited about the birth of Jesus. It's hard to understand how somebody, something that proclaims such joy, such great tidings, such great peace, could have such opposition in the world. How could anyone hate Jesus? But the truth is, from the, from the day he was born, there was those that hated Jesus, and the kingdom suffered violence. There are those that hate God. There are those that reject God. There are those that don't want anything to do, to do with God and his goodness. They don't want to care. They don't want to hear about God's love for them. And, but we can't let them change us. We can't let them change us. We need to violently and, purpose, and purposefully not let them stop us from entering into the kingdom, proclaiming the kingdom, and by faith, taking by force all that Jesus has made available to us, all the blessings, provisions, inheritance that are ours in the kingdom of God. People can get mad if they want to. I'm going to get glad in Jesus. You can reject Jesus. I'm going to accept Jesus. You can hate Jesus. I'm loving Jesus with all my spirit, soul, and body. See, you have to get violent in possessing the things of God. Just like on Christmas morning. Just like on Christmas morning, those kids, and maybe some dads, they get violent. They attack that tree. And they get those gifts that have their names on it. I mean, kids might get knocked over. There might be bulbs on the, on the tree that might get broken. The, uh, the tree could fall over. It, get, it gets violent. And then ripping the packages open, it is violent. But they're trying to get what is theirs. They're trying to get the gift that has their name on it. All this verse was saying is don't be passive in your Christianity. We don't get violent with those who are violent against the kingdom of God. We get violent possessing the kingdom 
We get violent possessing the kingdom, possessing all that is ours in Christ Jesus. See, from, from his conception, John's life was a miracle. He was an amazing man that came from an amazing family. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, it says that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Luke chapter 1, verse 67, it says Zacharias, his father, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Luke chapter 1, verse 14, it says that John was filled with the Holy Spirit. This was a spirit-filled family. This was a spirit-filled family that prepared the way of the kingdom of God. It was a spirit-filled family that prepared the way for Jesus. Why do you think we're here, saints? Why do you think we're here? If we're able to get past our carnal mind, if we're able to, to, to stop the worldly right now thinking, you can see that we are here for a purpose. You are here for a purpose. Can you see that we are the spirit-filled family in the earth today? That the church is the spirit-filled family of God in the earth that is preparing the second coming of our Lord? We are the spirit-filled family ushering in the kingdom that is to come. Don't get passive. Don't get passive in the kingdom. Possess. Possess it, saints, by faith. Christmas is a story of miracles and is a reminder to the world that God's kingdom is a kingdom of making impossibles possible in Jesus Christ. Christmas is amazing. It tells the story of the, of, the, of, the, of the kingdom that was, the kingdom that is, and the kingdom that is to come. And we all have an amazing part to play in that, serving the God of making the impossible, impossible possible. So no matter what you're going through in life, no matter what, you, what vision God's given in your heart, he can bring it to pass. We need to start seeing with the vision of God, that, that God has. We need to start seeing things not as the world sees them, but as the word of God proclaims them. Proclaims them. Christmas is the new beginning. It's a restart on life. And it's a reminder that all things are possible. And God is a God of miracles. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we're here for such a time as this, that we are the spirit-filled family in the earth, that we possessed violently the things of God provided to us through Jesus Christ in the kingdom of God, that we are representation of the kingdom in the earth, that we are the new Jerusalem, that we are the city set on a hill. We are the light of God proclaiming the good news that set the captives free. Heavenly Father, we let us in our actions, in our thoughts, in our purposes, in our, in our plans, in our destiny, see the plans of God, see the vision of God, and watch it manifest before our eyes. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of the suddenly. You are the God that makes the impossible possible. You are the God that does miracles. You are mighty and strong. 
give us expectation. Just like as a child expects to find gifts under the tree, we expect you to be who you are in our lives. We thank you, we praise you, and we celebrate you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.